What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today, we're taking a deep dive into customer data and the stack that enables marketers to activate it. We'll be introducing you to packaged customer data platforms and the more flexible options of composable customer data stacks and getting different perspectives on which option might be best. I've used both at different companies and have had the pleasure of partnering with really smart data engineers that have helped me level up on the data side. And uh, I've had the chance of using up and coming data tools. And I'm really excited to to dive in today and uh, get my little spin on the uh, popular debate. Okay, let the battle begin. Here's today's main takeaway. The debate between packaged and composable CDPs boils down to a trade-off between the -the out-of-the-box functionality and tailored flexibility, with industry opinions divided on what offers greater long-term value. Key factors to consider, obviously, are company needs and data team size, but if you do decide to explore the composable route, consider tools that focus on seamless integration and adaptability rather than those who claim to replace existing CDPs. Okay, first things first, let's get some definitions out of the way. Let's start with the more common packaged CDPs. A CDP, a customer data platform, is software that consolidates customer data from various sources and makes it accessible to other tools that you use in your company. The end goal is being able to personalize customer interactions at scale. I've been a big fan of RP Trudri of Data Beats, and he articulates the components of a CDP better than anywhere I've seen in his post, Composable CDP versus Package CDP. So let's unpack each of those eight elements and let's get takes from different industry pros if they agree with uh, RP's eight components. So number one, CDI, customer data infrastructure. Fancy way of saying this is where you collect first party data directly from your customers, usually on your site or on your apps with a tracking code. Number two is ETL, data ingestion. It stands for extract, transform, load. This is simply about pulling data from different tools that uh, you currently use, maybe on other teams, and integrating that into a central storage component. Um, Obviously, the data warehouse isn't always the central point of uh, storage. Uh, Like I said, CDPs will just like have their own database, and this is where the collected data resides, essentially a central repository, right? Number four is ID resolution. This is pretty much how you connect the dots between various interactions a customer has with your brand. And maybe they're using different platforms to access your your website or different mobile apps. Maybe they're using different devices like their iPad, their laptop, their desktop, their phones. Audience segmentation is the fifth component. Um, Marketers are more familiar with this one here. Like, Your marketing automation tools have an audience segmentation component to that already. This usually comes with a drag and drop UI for easily sorting your audience into different buckets based on events and behavior, demographic traits, or any other factors you have um, that's flowing into that audience segmentation tool. And then number six is reverse ETL. This is where stuff gets a bit more uh, contentious, especially in the market with data and and MarTech tools. But reverse ETL is exactly the opposite of the ETL portion that we talked you through. So instead of like getting data from existing tools and putting it into your central storage spot, this is the reverse. It's taking uh, the data from your central storage spot, whether it's your warehouse or uh, any other uh, centralized database and pushing it out to other tools that you use. And then seven and eight are data quality and governance slash privacy and compliance. You can argue about like whether these are separate or all in one. In summary, eight components that make up an all in one CDP. So like most companies who say that they're a CDP, they should in some shape or form meet most of the criteria under this list. So 
collect first party data and important data from other tools into a central database, run ID resolution to figure out like different users coming in from different devices, focus on quality and compliance, and then finally having a segmentation engine and allowing you to push that data to other tools. That's how we boil down uh, the simple definition of an all-in-one customer data platform. But I've asked recent guests if they agree with all eight of these components. In my mind, you know, what, what, you, you def- what you described as a package CDP comes from a long line of, of software, right? That's Boris Jabez, the co-founder and CEO at Census, a reverse ETL tool that allows marketers to activate customer data from their data warehouse. Actually, if you go back in time, there's also DMPs and CEPs, right? There's a lot of three-letter acronyms here. Uh, and what I would say is they were, they are products uh, specifically designed for marketing and generally designed historically in my experience for consumer marketing like b2c companies and they do i would say three things right they help you collect events from your website from your applications they are a source of truth for that data uh for the marketing team specifically Mm -hmm. and they allow you to segment and personalize target uh, uh, you know, based on this data into other uh, marketing tools, whether those are advertising platforms, if you're coming from the DMP side of the CDP world, uh, uh, and again, just, just using all the jargon, uh, um, or it might be into a you know email or direct mail tool, uh, et cetera, right? So I think that's probably the most complete definition, I guess you could say of a package CDP. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily argue uh, there are definitely some details to each of them. That's Tamara Grusbarg, VP of Customer Strategy at Action IQ, an enterprise customer data platform. Starting with data collection and ending with data activation is, is definitely critical. When it comes to audience segmentation, drag and drop UI, absolutely critical in terms of providing this data democratization and self-service. I would say spanning from this, we also offer, um, I wouldn't call it a BI tool, but more of a insights dashboards that allow people not just build the segments, but understand the overlaps with other segments, Mm. understand maybe, you know, distributions on some key KPIs. So get more understanding of the behavior of this particular segment that would allow them to create more efficient marketing campaign. Uh, As well as we have two types of audiences. Uh, One we call rule-driven and another one Mm -hmm. ML-driven. We have a component machine learning component within our platform that allows our um, clients to build the audiences um, based on predictive models. Hmm. So uh, that's definitely a component that a lot of clients are interested in, especially depending on the type of the client, maybe not huge enterprises with large data science teams, but more on a uh, mid-market side. But sometimes even when it comes to large enterprises, a couple of those that we work with come to mind as we collect uh, completely new data for them that they didn't have access to and they want to put something into market quickly. Um, they utilize our predictive tool to create these audiences. And of course, we work in collaboration with their data science teams to make sure that, you know, it passes their sniff test. I agree with, with those eight um, uh, pieces of functionality that I think comprise a, in, let's, let's forget packaged, whatever. That's like an end-to-end solution, right? That's Michael Katz, CEO and co-founder at MParticle, one of the leading packaged customer data platforms. Because um, we'll like we'll kind of tear apart the 
the, the nonsense argument in, in, in a bit, <laughs> but like, yeah, those are, those are probably the, the eight main components of at the very least, like the first generation of customer data platforms, the value of these components, which need to be integrated is that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? Otherwise mix and match from lots of, lots of different vendors. And so you start to skip certain steps, not all CDPs, most, actually most CDPs don't have strong stories around data quality and data governance, right? So you're automatically operating off of like a, a weak or unstable foundation. Um, and, the, and, and, and the value starts to compound as you move from like the front part of, of, of the pipeline or, or, or system through the activation layer. So it's not just about how fast can you get data out into your, your application layer. It's about how, how fast can you do it relative to maintaining some level of, of quality and, um, and, and consumer privacy protection. I don't particularly disagree or agree or, yeah, I don't, don't have an opinion on whether these are the components of the CDP. And that's Tejas Monohar, the co-founder and co-CEO at Hightouch, another reverse ETL tool that's taken a bit more of a controversial stance. But what I think is most important is that, like, why do people pursue a CDP in the first place? Mm-hmm. It's so that they can, you know, harness all the data they have about their customers and activate it across their their marketing and to personalize the customer experience and, and drive great business outcomes. So that's the reason companies um, pursue a CDP in the first place. Um, everything else is kind of ancillary, to be completely honest. Like everything else is a, is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's not worth thinking in components or features. Um, I usually think of it as three core things, which is that you need in a CD, in a typical traditional package CDP, whatever you want to call it, uh, there's a way to collect data. There's a way to do some like data transformation in between. So things like identity resolution and modeling. And then there's a way to activate the data, which usually, you know, has audience building or integrations, et cetera. So a couple different takes there. Uh, Boris and Tejas actually agree that a package CDP focuses on data collection, serving as a primary data source for marketing and enabling segmentation slash activation of that data. Uh, Tamara adds predictive modeling to the mix at Action IQ and underscores the importance of data quality and privacy and definitely not skipping over their steps. Uh, Michael Katz points out that not all CDPs excel at every one of those A components, and he especially emphasizes the need for data quality and governance, uh, just like Tamara did as well. So what's the hype around composable CDPs? Thought of as the new kid on the block, composable CDPs promise a lot of different things compared to the packaged option. Composable CDPs take a modular approach to data management built from separate, easily interchangeable parts, and easily is kind of an asterisk here. This design and and how you kind of build this offers way more control over your data processes, and you can also customize this to fit any of your particular business objectives or requirements. Um, The composable route provides a contrast to a package solution based on balancing specialized benefits against workflow complexity. So here's an example of a composable tool setup. So instead of going with an M particle or an action IQ, you could have Snowplow as your customer data infrastructure collecting first-party data. You could have Airbyte as your ETL tool, getting data from your other email tools and your customer support tools, pushing that into your data warehouse. That could be BigQuery, could be Snowflake. And then you have a reverse ETL tool that could be Census, for example. And then you could use DBT or a mix of other stuff for data quality. So basically five tools plus like maybe one or two other specialized ones in a stack to compete with an all-in-one package solution. Um, But not everyone actually sees the composable route as an entirely new thing. Yeah, so um, when I think about a composable um, CDP, uh, there's actually something that pre-exists 
you know, a composable CDP that a lot of people already attune and, and believe as, you know, here, here's an approach to composable. And that's actually with commerce. That's David Chan. He's the managing director at Deloitte Digital, and he leads their CDP practice. Like I said, my background um, in the past um, in- included a lot of different technologies, but commerce and web content management was was one of them. Back in like uh, 2013, 2015, it became very common to have what they called headless commerce. What's headless commerce? It was uh, splitting up um, web content management from just pure commerce tools where um, the web content management tool would act as the front end and the commerce that had all the heavy logic and the, you know, uh, the checkout pages and the product detail pages and sort of handling all the OMS and fulfillment options that was kind of separated out. And there were different like ways in which you could composably build that. That was just like a very first start where there was sort of like three patterns you can follow. And over time it got even more more advanced. Um, some content management systems completely break apart from a template. Everything is these uh, different components, like even on a page in which um, your operation teams would build uh, even pages off of, right? Web pages, that is. And so the composable architecture approach is something I've already seen in a commerce space. Now I'm looking at it and comparing it to the CDP space. Well, what's the difference? Number one, the composability approach of commerce went through the same sort of like, let's call it consolidation and the mashing and the banging (laughs) that we're seeing today in the CDP (laughs) space, which is like, none of these things really want to work together. They're they're all a bunch of features um, and capabilities, but how do they actually plug in together in a unified way? And so um, what's happened, right? If you think about, it's been 10 years since then, more standards and partnerships have evolved where People know, okay, here is how um, all these composable things should fit together. That's what's missing right now in the CDP space. All that hardening of thoughts, standards, frameworks um, of how, not how their tools work, but how they should work together. Uh, that's really what's missing. But I see it happening, right? I, 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 there's no reason why it wouldn't follow that route. You just have to give it some more time. And has that changed? Has my um, belief changed at all? No, it hasn't. It, we're still not there yet, in my opinion. Let's hear from Tejas Monahar again, the uh, founder and CEO at High Touch. Two things happening: a lot of more than a lot of purchasing of CDPs. Everyone wanted the vision of a CDP in their company. They all wanted to be able to have their marketers freely self-serving, understanding their customers, exploring their data, building audiences. And then two, deploying those personalizations to the customer journeys across every channel and every tool on the marketing stack, whether it's you know, lifecycle or advertising or push notifications or in your app or whatever it is. But at the same time, a deep dissatisfaction with the state of the solutions today. Um, I think you don't have to you know, trust my words on this. Gartner conveniently released a report for us, which actually uh, said, not for us, they released a report to the public that said, of customers who purchase a a CDP aren't getting value from it. Their marketing Mm -hmm. team isn't getting value from it. Um, So this idea that, yes, you want a CDP, you really do. But there's a new way of thinking about this that it's a lot more likely to be successful and allow your marketers to use data across the organization. And that's a way where uh, marketing can access all the data that large companies are already investing in, in their data warehouse. Uh, and start activating that across the customer journeys. And finally, let's get Boris's take, the founder and CEO at Census that we heard from already. Yeah. So first of all, I think there's a lot of reasons why people are looking at a different approach. Let's call it that. You're right that Census is built differently. And again, we came at it from first principles. I didn't come at it from when we started this whole company that you know you so eloquently put in my like intro <laughs> bio there uh we didn't come at it from a hey what are these tools you know what is the package cdp doing and we should do something different the, the, right. it was absolutely not in, in our mind what we wanted was to give marketers more better more trustworthy data and ideally to try to make the world a what i would call a better place <laughs> we we wanted to reduce the proliferation of these things right uh and you're right in a lot of companies 
there has been a huge investment happening in parallel over the last few years for on what you would call data warehouses or other kinds of data platforms, uh, whether they're from Google or Snowflake or Amazon or Databricks, you know, it doesn't matter. There's so many options, but they are designed to store infinite amounts of data. They are infinitely flexible, I would say at this point. Uh, and they are used to answer all sorts of questions. And so why would we replicate that to solve the problem, right? So so yeah, Census came at it uh, from the start by saying like, well, we already have the information that I think we need. So let's start from there, right? Uh, but I do think composability is 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 a philosophy at some level, right? It, 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 I always tell my own team, it comes, I, I think of that word coming from the world of software. Uh, so like, that's a bit of a technical aside, but really it means that you're building parts that are flexible and can work together seamlessly. It's not about breaking things down into pieces. It's about pieces that work together and in such a way that if you need to build something yourself or be custom in one part, it's that's native to the system, right? And And so I think that, I don't know about you. you. You've actually maybe built more CDP-like implementations than I have. But I I found personally that they tend to fall short somewhere in some dimension somewhere. Uh, uh, and if you're lucky and your business perfectly fits the, you know, the the parameters, then I'm super jealous. Uh, but as soon as you want to be customized in some form, like you, you're going to need to do something outside of it and make sure that that interacts, you know, that it composes with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why this is a, a, a trend is that people kind of realize they need more flexibility. I do think like, why, why is there more, why is there a need for more flexibility? And I think there, there's, there's a couple of things that are happening beyond just the fact that you have a data team that marketers should probably be aware of if they're not deeply, deeply aware of already. One is the journey, the customer journey is getting way more complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's not just, you have a website, and you know they you put a pixel on it and you track the you know shopping cart and you uh, you're done right like Facebook even takes care of it for for you for most of it. That was kind of the, the happy world that we lived in if you're a marketer like let's say five years ago. It's just so easy, just basically put a pixel and you're more or less done right. Attribution is solved, uh, engagement with the customer can be basically done because it's this very single path. Now, if you're in B two B, it's unbelievably complex right. Like that's where we started before kind of getting deeper into the into the consumer world. But sales cycles are multi-touch point, right? Like app users are all sorts of variations. You have workspaces, you have different, you have admins, you have regular users, you have guests. You have so many ways to model the, the user and the user relationship, and it takes a very long time, right? It's not just from they visited our ad to they're a free user to a paid user. It just goes on and on and on. And consumer, same thing, right? Like now you have millions of users, you span multiple countries, you have tons of channels. You now you're going to see an ad in different places. You got to make sure they work together. Uh, attribution is just much more complicated uh, and you have to adapt to that. And it all gets harder, if you will, uh, because of privacy. And, uh, you know, this is one of those where it must be interesting to be in the field of marketing because you as a consumer probably appreciate some of these things. Mm -hmm. And then you as a practitioner are really frustrated by these things. But, you know, <laughs> the easy world of putting an external pixel on your website and having kind of your marketing problem solved is gone. And, and so you need better activation on your first party data. You need better collection of first, first party data and usage of it, which is kind of where does that sit? It sits somewhere in your product database slash data warehouse, right? Uh, and you need a way to govern that because, you know, whether it's the EU or California, they, they, they expect, consumers expect you to be able to, to kind of show them what you know about them and be able to delete that data. So, mm -hmm. so I think all these, these are a bunch of trends that lead to people, I think, thinking about solving the problem of customer data platforms, which is what we outlined at the beginning, in a way that is a composition uh, of tools uh, centered, I think, around the data warehouse. So pretty interesting perspectives here. We have heard from David, Tejas, and Boris. Tejas notes that the shift to Composable was fueled by 
this customer dissatisfaction with traditional packaged CDPs uh, over the last few years and um, aiming for a system that integrates well with existing data warehouses. But Boris emphasizes that the drive for a composable architecture comes from a need for reliable data and adaptability for this like over and like increasingly complex customer journey and privacy needs that companies deal with. David adds that while composability isn't necessarily new and exists in fields like commerce, CDPs are still maturing in this aspect, and the consensus is that composability offers a flexible, tailored approach to data management, but the concept is still evolving in the CDP space. Okay, so we've covered the components of the definition of a package CDP and why there might be a need for some companies to explore the more flexible route of a composable stack. Let's hear from various different industry pros about where they side when it comes to the packaged versus composable CDP battle. But what I do see customers is they're either from the segment space and realizing that the licensing cost is really starting to trip them up over time and it doesn't really fit something that they want to keep long term. That's Wyatt Bales, Chief Customer Officer at Blueprint X. They're a global growth as a service consultancy who provide MarTech, sales tech and work management solutions. To then, like to name drop one of our great customers, Soda.io here in, in next door in, in Belgium, they're a data integrity solution that sits right on top of like Snowflake or your or your your database. And it just tells you how clean or how ugly your data is. And so the way that I kind of see this is maybe not a traditional CDB platform, any duplicative database, but just a warehouse that has a plethora of all these tools that sit on top of it that just tells you what exactly you have inside of your warehouse. And then if it comes down to these outbound API calls like you're mentioning on doing email delivery or campaign execution, I definitely think, again, for the warehouse space, sorry, for the enterprise space, that is where the future is. Yeah, I think I think it, it really depends on on each company and the needs of that company. I think I think we're probably not, I would say, 25 tools. I would say we're like probably three, like big three, I would say. That's Pini Yakul. He's the CEO of Optimove. They're a platform that combines three big, traditionally separate tools into one. They're a CDP a journey orchestration tool, and an AI engine all in one platform. Look, the question is, can you unlock more value by having things cohesive in one place? I, I think what we, what we claim and what we believe is that data and channels, like messaging channels, need to live in the same place. Uh, so when you say CDP, when it's composable, I was like, CDP ultimately, the data is there to drive some kind of business value. The fact mm -hmm. that it's sitting somewhere and you can push it to another place, like ultimately the question is, what are you going to do with it? So are you going to, is it for analytics? Are you going to drive better decisions because of it? Or are you going to, you know, delight your customers and use this for personalization that I was talking about before, only because the two exist together. When you break them down and they start to get siloed, so yes, maybe Handling data separately as a silo will be done very well by one tool, but then, you know, some of that data will be forwarded to another tool that does messaging, but that tool in itself, it's still inherently rule-based. So what it does is you feed that tool with an entry point of like a smarter segment, but that tool will still decide, so decide and make decisioning rule-based in a rule-based nature. So what we feel like is you need to feed AI and decisioning into the bloodstream of channels. Mm. So the bloodstream, I mean, in the place where you send the message and you engage with a customer, that, that bloodstream needs to be, you know, hyped with, with data, with, with decisioning. And that comes when it's together. It doesn't come through API. Like it doesn't come through, because the APIs are good with about sharing data. Yeah, let's think an audience from here to there, right? Let's say, uh, and then their audience is going to start a journey in some kind of a system, right? That audience is going to go into an email system. It's going to start a journey there. Fine. It doesn't change the nature of that email system. That email system is still running 
with kind of like on on rule based food yeah so i think there are a lot of debates around it right uh, like uh, compostable and this thing right and i agree and disagree with a lot of those uh, points right because eventually it is all everybody is trying to kind of market their own products right that's arun thulasidaran he's ceo and co-founder at castle.io they're a warehouse native customer engagement platform that sits directly on top of cloud data warehouses but in my interview with Arun, he explained that before he went down this path of customer engagement, he actually debated building reverse ETL. So he's well-versed in this battle. Um, for me, the different, I mean, the, the way I see composable and packaged CDPs is how I see maybe an open source and a closed source system, right? I mean, this is a different thing, which I probably have a lot of, not a lot of people have kind of talked about. Um, so a composed like or a packaged CDP right on top of the data warehouse, it gives me the flexibility to innovate on top of the data warehouse, right? You can actually, if you feel that it is not like complete, right? Then I can add, I can probably add like more tables. I can more add, add more transformations, right? I can plug external tools to the system, right? To give you an example, right? Um, there are tools like maybe Truality, there are tools like uh, Zing, right? What they do is actually they do identity resolution on top of the data warehouse, right? And they do kind of fuzzy identity resolution, not like deterministic. So they'll say that, okay, this row and this row might be same. And because of that, I'll just kind of join them together, right? And these are innovations which are actually happening on top of the data warehouse. Now, I don't want to be in a closed system, right? Where I'm not like, you know, I cannot actually have these innovations on top of my data warehouse. So that is actually, I mean, obviously there are a lot of other arguments around it, which I think a lot of people have said, but this is just one analogy, which I don't think a lot of people have actually been this thing. And this is how I see composable versus package CDP. Yeah, so um, I would agree with, the statement that CDPs have to evolve, um, but I like what business doesn't have to evolve right. over, right? Um, you, you strip out all of the kind of endless debate around package versus composable because it is all just like it's it's product marketing. That's that's all it is. And finally, that's Michael Katz again, the CEO of M Particle, a packaged CDP. But what I think is undeniable is like the rise of the cloud data warehouse as a really important system inside most organizations for them to be able to have a um hopefully have a single source of truth right um now the, now the problem is from a just as like a matter of practicality data quality varies widely um across um, even within an organization, but definitely across organizations. So it's not as simple as like, hey, stand up a data warehouse and all your problems are solved. There's a lot of work that has to go into getting it right. That starts with having a, a data strategy, right? So I would, I, would I, I continue to vehemently argue that reverse ETL, when, when, when tapping into a weak foundation, it's just like, it's garbage in, garbage out, and it's a faster path. Like faster garbage is still garbage, and that's like that's all they're peddling. And so my my point around like the sleight of hand um, tricks is like they're they're trying to create distractions from what like the real issues are. And the distractions, as as I call out, are like the importance of um, zero data copy, which is actually not possible if you want to create a best best in breed stack. Um, then there's uh, this false narrative around the fact that CDPs are more vulnerable to, to security threats, which also um, completely, completely unfounded. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the last argument, um, I, th I think centered, keep me honest here, but I think it's centered around, was it, was it, privacy or no sorry it was, it was master time to time. value yeah it was deployment times and and the point i would make is and the point i did make is that time to initial value is not the same as time to sustained value mm -hmm. something that's easy to get started on is usually harder to to maintain like nothing in this life like forget cdps for a second nothing in this <laughs> life is, is is free right so you either pay for it on the front end or you usually pay for it on the back end and the back end payments usually contain compounding interest, right? It's like buying a house. So like, 
we got it. Like we got to separate all the, all the noise. I, I, I will commend the, um, these kids running reverse ETL companies, like they have super aggressive product marketing and they've been noisy enough to, to get a bunch of attention. But like, I'll say it here. It's, it's designed to trick the market. It's not designed to create value for customers. And, and that's the problem I've had with it for the past couple of years. I think the argument there is stemming from the desire to package reverse ETLs tools in a way that sells to marketers. But I think that causes a lot of confusions of, of what is a reverse ETL really doing. That's Pratik Desai. He's the CEO and founder of One to One. They're a personalization agency that works with enterprise clients. And they've actually recently released a product called Regana, a composable search and sort personalization engine that's built on top of your e-com platform. And he's got a lot of hot thoughts about the CDP battle. And so, you know, in terms of a CDP, one of the big aspects or, or features of a CDP would be the ability for identity resolution. We know that reverse ETLs don't do that. That doesn't negate the value of reverse ETL. It just means it's not a like-for-like like or apples-to-apples apples comparison, right? And so now if I start to sell reverse ETL as a replacement for CDP, I need to make sure I'm selling into an organization where the marketer is positioned to work with their data warehouse owners to get that data structured in a way that works for them, right? We, we talked a little bit earlier about what happens when your data isn't structured in a way that works for your personalization or marketing program. And so we kind of roll that up into what does that mean, right? I think let's not forget that different databases of your users, that was a situation that was created because marketing did not have a seat at the data table. And so CDPs were really trying to create a solution for marketers that did not have that seat. Now, I think we can treat this entire innovation as an impetus for change and get the marketer, marketing organization a seat at that table. But we know how that kind of unfolds, especially at the enterprise level, where buying you know, a, a reverse ETL tool isn't the impetus to change an organizational issue, right? Like we talked about operational excellence. Buying a new tool generally doesn't say, say, solve operational issues. So as we start to kind of pair that back, I think to answer your question, going back to reverse, you know, the, the big big conversation around reverse ETLs versus CDPs, I do think they're both solving problems. I do think they're solving different problems. And the, the shift from what the problem is that CDPs solve into the reverse ETL world, I think we need to understand what that means from an operational lens and a data excellence lens solve that root, root problem that CDPs evolved because of, if we can solve that root problem, then I think reverse ETLs provide a tremendous amount of value. Or if we're starting to sell into generally where we see SMBs, where marketing already has a seat at that data table, reverse ETLs make a huge sense, right? They make, they make a huge amount of value in, within that type of organization. So I, I guess the question is, is there a need to keep up based on the idea that do we believe all potential buyers, all potential clients of these technologies will have the same problems that can be solved by composable architecture. So it's really tough, right? Because I, I do believe we're moving more and more into this idea of a modern data stack where we do have a single database, we have a single view of the customer, but yeah. I, I do struggle also to see how quickly that can happen with this with these enterprise level customers where you know the advent of CDPs and personalization programs was not the impetus to bring marketing to the data table. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that reverse ETLs will be the, the thing that, you know, tips the scale in, in bringing them to the data table. We need to solve that problem first before reverse ETLs sells and solves to every single potential client. So, you know, sum, summing all that up, I, I think all of our clients have different issues. And all of those issues need to be looked at subjectively. And then we need to bring out the right tools. So sometimes that right tool is a CDP, right? Sometimes that right tool is a reverse ETL. And then if we can get deeper and we can start to actually solve their operational and data excellence issues, then I think we can move into that modern data stack. And I do think that's the direction.
so some really good back and forth in this battle here uh waging from a couple of different perspectives we've got Wyatt and Pratik on the agency side Penny and MK who run packaged solutions and we've got Arun who's uh team composability if you speak but Let's recap them a little bit. So Wyatt notes that customers are grappling with the choice between packaged and composable, but he does see the future in the data warehouses that serve as the foundation for multiple tools. Penny, however, argues that the choice between composable and packaged CDPs depends on a company's specific needs, but that for most scenarios, data and messaging channels should exist in the same ecosystem, not merely connected via APIs. On the other hand, Arun likens the debate uh, to the open source versus closed source uh, discussion, emphasizing that composable CDPs allow for more flexibility and innovation. MK criticizes the sleight of hand tactics used by some reverse ETL companies and dispels the myths such as CDPs being more vulnerable to security threats and points out that quick deployment doesn't always equal sustained value. And finally, Pratik thinks there is confusion being created in the market by marketing of reverse ETL as a replacement for CDPs, which can lead to a ton of misunderstandings, especially since they serve a different function and are not exactly comparable. So let's finish off by diving into this portion of the battle here a little bit and what I think is a bit more contentious in the market. So let's talk about the confusion in the market. Can reverse ETL actually replace a packaged CDP? All of the confusion around this stems from one reverse ETL vendor in particular, HighTouch. They've written plenty of controversial articles over the years claiming that the CDP is dead and that friends don't let friends buy a CDP and that they can actually replace a CDP. I sat down with Tejas, the founder and CEO of HighTouch, to get to the bottom of why they think they can replace the package CDP. Here's what I would say. You know, we power marketing data activation for some of the largest companies in the world, and they call us their CDP, right? They use us as their CDP internally because instead of using HighTouch, you know, they uh, are not, they don't have to buy a, a CDP now, or they churned off a customer data platform which is the case for some of our companies like Blizzard Activision, one of the largest gaming companies in the world. They're previously on the customer data platform. Same with Warner, same with you know, Red Ventures, et cetera. Won't name names here, but they were all on customer data platforms <laughs> before. Uh, but our product doesn't look exactly like a CDP. You're right. Um, and some of the things, I mean, we're only really missing one thing, which is that the data collection part. Um, you know, we, we always find a way to offer that to our customer, whether it's through partners like Snowplow, and in the future, we're already working on ways to make that easier and easier for our clients so that it's not a blocker. And so that we can fo they can focus on what's most important, which is being successful at activating their data. Um, and that's really our differentiator at HighTouch, making sure marketing teams are successfully able to activate their data and, uh, and personalize. Um, the other thing I will mention is that um, in our first blog post, CDPs are dead. Uh, we, we said something at the beginning, which was that, you know, Every CDP is basically going gonna, gonna to pivot uh, to our approach at Hythish over the mm -hmm. next few years uh, or go extinct. And um, probably not exactly what I wrote in the blog post, but something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And I do think you can start to see that happening in the space. Um, so what I'll say is that, you know, we're, we're kind of leading the way for what the future of CDP looks like, which is in architecture where companies own their own data, have infinite flexibility. Um, are able to activate across all different channels in the company um, and are able to have marketers in the product. Um, and uh, we feel confident that that's what the, the future of this space looks like and that, uh, you know, what Hytus is building today will, will just be close, you know, will, will be what all the CDPs are, are sort of pivoting to uh, in the future. So some large customers do refer to Hytouch as their internal CDP. But is that enough to be able to claim that the CDP is dead and that they're able to fully replace it? I asked Michael Katz for his take on Tejas's argument. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that represents a very narrow um, sub-segment of, of the market, right? Like if, if we keep the conversation rooted in business value and what's required in order to optimize business value, like the the fragmented do-it-yourself approach doesn't necessarily get you there. Like it's, it's cool for like the, the hobbyists, but I mean, 
most most businesses definitely within the enterprise like they, they they can't afford to just be hobbyists they need to deliver something and i think the day of reckoning is is coming you look at a lot of the the sloppy habits that were developed certainly during the pandemic but i think were a byproduct of of zerp right where you just had data engineers running amok and not getting proper business requirements and just doing things that they felt like were right on behalf of the business, given a very narrow and limited uh, perspective of the world and little to no understanding of the true nuance and complexity of running um, successful digital marketing campaigns. And we've definitely seen that go away. Um, We've started to see reintegration of the end users into the into the buying decision. So marketers, I would say over the past, I don't know, nine, 12 months have started to take the power back from from the data engineers. Um, we're, we're a tool that is built for marketers, right? Like we make it easy once data is is in the system to be able to to, to contextualize it and then to activate it in a low code, no code manner, right? So you don't have to create custom SQL scripts and do a bunch of transformations. You don't have to know your exact schema, right? Like everything is everything is available through like a point and click UI. And that's just not the case with you know certain CDPs for, for sure, but but definitely a lot of the um, a lot of the tools that have been built for like the, the the modern data stack or the data warehouse ecosystem. So like usability is, is still very much a factor. And like, again, if, if we're focused on value creation, there's lots of different ways to get there, but the fastest path is usually, fastest path between any two points is usually a straight line. So there's value in having an, an integrated platform where there's seamless workflows and you don't have to work between if, if, if what we're saying is like there's eight different components to an end-to-end CDP, yeah, sure, you could use eight different systems. But like what happens if and when something goes wrong? How do you troubleshoot across eight different systems? You have to get eight different account managers involved. Like the whole thing becomes a bit of a mess. So there's a ton of value in, in, in the integration of components that can be configured um, in a way where you don't have to buy all of them and then and then customize to to meet whatever business requirements you have not all reverse etl platforms have taken a loud controversial approach to marketing though i asked boris jabes the ceo and co-founder of census if his platform aims to replace a cdp yeah uh not only do we not replace it i think there's tons of customers that have been using census for years in combination with the CDP, so, right. so I think the 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 that's just not the reality either, right? Whether whether it's our claim or not, um, so I think first, composability to me is a like I said, it's a it's a philosophy, it's a way of thinking, and it means that you build tools that integrate seamlessly with others and allow the user, right? Whether that's you as a marketer or uh, your colleague at at, at Quid Genius who wants to you know, from the data team who wants to, to customize things further, whether it's the other parts of the ETL and warehousing stack, right? For them to be able to work with this without making it obscenely complicated, right? And that's, so So not only do we not kill a traditional CDP uh, or claim that they're dead, uh, I think we are trying to give more users more trustworthy data in more places, right? That's that census. And if, you know, we're trying to not add another silo to your business, right? So we're actually saying you have data infrastructure. Let's leverage it. Let's, you know, let's not make another copy. The census is not like, yay, here, we are the new thing, right? Um, and so, the, the yeah, I think it's a little bit weird to, to you know, I think it's just common in, in marketing, in brand marketing to, to talk about things in terms of like, we're killing this or we're you know destroying that. And you know, just look at YouTube any given day. It's like everything's being destroyed for some reason. Um, <laughs> but I do think composability is, is net better for the world, right? And so the same way software, like you ask any savvy engineer, any 
any grizzled engineer, they will talk about using very, like the way they design their software is that it doesn't break when other software is combined with it. Like right. that's what makes it really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and programming languages even get discussed in this way of like, how do they solve composability uh, or for composability? And so I, I think just a warehouse native way is a really good way to approach that. I think everyone benefits. Like I said, I think, I think you are, you're a better standard bearer for it than I am. Uh, and if you have a tool that does identity resolution for you, whether it's called a CDP or it's called anything, an ID tool, right? I don't care. Then let's make it seamless for you to be able to use that in tandem with what we have, right? And I think you have, you'll find that a lot of companies, there's a data team, there's a data scientist who's actually doing something that resembles identity resolution, by the way. And that just works seamlessly with our platform. And if it happens in an external tool used by marketing, great. What I would say is let's just make sure it benefits everyone, mm -hmm. not just the marketing team. Right. Uh, you know, rewind to the first thing I told you. It's like, it's in the name of the company, right? Census is a very bold name for a company and very tough from an SEO perspective. But <laughs> yeah. it's really tough from an SEO perspective. But, but it's really the goal. It's I want every company should not have 12 census, right? You should have one for yourself. And so if identity resolution is happening in your CDP, let's not lock that to just the marketing team, right? The sales team, the finance team, the privacy and compliance team, all of them need that too. So that's kind of where I take it as like, this is where composability wins over non-composability, but it has nothing to do with like, Census and Versatile kill CDPs. David Chan, the managing director at Deloitte Digital, who leads their CDP practice, is really close to the composable versus package debate. Despite wanting to move on from the debate a few times, I asked him about the perspectives of Census and High Touch and which side he kind of sides with a little bit more. So, so Boris and I actually, I moderated a panel Um uh, sponsored by Census on this whole composable versus CDP a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago or months ago rather, and uh, I got a chance to connect with Boris and, and learn more about sort of his background. And that what you said basically aligns with my understanding is, hey, Boris didn't set out to basically conquer CDP. He was just trying to build really good tech that helps um, data teams. Uh, do do better work and, and be more uh, successful at their jobs um, in company. So I totally understand Boris's point of view. Now, Tejas, I don't actually know if he actually believes what he's saying um, <laughs> because um, it, it kind of then makes me question what he thinks a definition of a CDP is. So for example, I see reverse ETL tools as one component of many for a CDP. So he can't, he shouldn't, in my opinion, claim ownership of a CDP by saying, well, we're the CDP because we do this one piece of, uh, in concert with, let's say, eight other things. And so I I, I don't think he actually believes in that because <clears throat> is, is high touch responsible or any reverse ETL vendor responsible for bringing in data in real time and batch? Or streaming? Are they responsible for um, the transformations and all the ETL inbound? Uh, are they responsible for the identity resolution? Are they responsible for actually shaping the the data in the data warehouse storage locations, which reverse details plug into? No, I, I mean, I don't think even Tejas uh, would, would agree uh, to that. Um, what he would say is he can plug into the native sort of enterprise data warehouse, um, use that tool to make it easier for front-end users to uh, query the data, build audiences, and have all these connectors to downstream MarTech, AdTech, CRM, what have you, systems. Uh, so so I, you know, I, I think it is a, a bit of a product marketing uh, buzz just to get people to talk about it. 
So some pretty interesting perspectives here, right? Like David doesn't think reverse ETL tools can replace CDPs entirely. His view is that reverse ETL tools are just one component of a complete CDP system. While these tools make it easier for users to query data and build audiences, they don't handle all the other tasks that a CDP does. Therefore, claiming that a reverse ETL tool can serve as a CDP might be misleading and is misleading in some cases. They can complement CDPs, but they don't cover all the bases. Since we last spoke to Tejas, Hightouch actually added ID resolution and event collection features to their product. And while they are built on your data warehouse versus copying your data, many in the market today are arguing that this is making Hightouch start to look a lot like a package CDP that they initially claimed to be dead. Alexandra Lamachenka, a data and MarTech consultant, is a big fan of the composable architecture for some companies, depending on their stage and their team. But she shared some of her thoughts on the evolution of the CDP. I would say this is a little bit cliche, but there is definitely nothing, you know, one size fits all. I'm really wondering how they will react to their customers growing and their the customers' needs growing as well. At one point, their customers, they will start requiring more functionalities and more uh, sophisticated functionalities. And these companies, they will need, and the vendors will need to make a decision whether they are accepting and they start developing your functionalities around what they already have to keep the customer. And small companies, they would be, it will be more sensitive for them to lose one of their clients or they will pass on and they will keep true to their values that, you know, they are keeping uh, their functionality slides, they are keeping they, their uh, uh, bill slower as well. And so I'm actually very curious to see, you know, where all these smaller vendors start appearing right now, where they will end up. Will they end up being customer data platforms and warehouses and BI uh, mm -hmm. analytics solutions and customer engagement platforms that they are fighting right now, or, <laughs> or they will keep true to their values and will keep serving uh, a wider range, range of customers. And I actually, you know, if they take the second pass, I actually see that this is very healthy for the industry because Maybe, you know, you won't be able to serve everyone, but at the same time, you're truly democratizing it. So different companies would have, of different stage, they will have an equal access to data and to quality data. So maybe it will give them a bump and it will increase their chances of survival, which is incredible. Uh, but at the same time, again, um, it will mean that vendors will need to make a decision at one point whether they want to stop development or they continue turning into uh, big platforms that they are challenging right now. So there you have it, folks. Hightouch believes they can replace a package CDP because a few of their customers refer to them as their internal CDP. But Michael, Michael Katz thinks that represents a very narrow segment of the market. He argues that a fragmented do-it-yourself approach doesn't optimize business value and isn't practical, especially for enterprise. On the other hand, Boris and Census have taken a much less controversial approach to product marketing and opted for more honest messaging, if you will. They don't claim to replace CDPs. In fact, they're happy to work alongside them. Uh, the core idea behind Census is creating tools that integrate well with existing systems without adding complexity. Census seeks to distribute trustworthy data across departments, leveraging the existing data infrastructure rather than creating another silo. David seems to side with Census on this part of the debate. He doesn't think reverse ETL tools can replace CDPs entirely. And his view is that reverse ETL tools are just one component in a complete CDP system. Finally, Alexandra argues that vendors offering composable lightweight solutions are making data more accessible and they're a good thing for the market. But she points out that these vendors will face a strategic choice in the future either expand their feature sets to keep customers engaged as their customers grow, risking the credibility of their original bold statements like the CDP is dead, 
or focus on perfecting their core offerings without overhyping their capabilities. So you heard it here first, folks. I hope you got some uh, fun and insights out of the debate here. Uh, the debate between packaged and composable CDPs boils down to a trade-off between out-of-the-box functionality and tailored flexibility, with industry opinions divided on what offers greater long-term value. But if you do decide to explore the composable route, consider tools that focus on seamless integration and adaptability rather than those who claim to replace existing CDPs. We'll catch you guys next time.